Welcome to episode 51 of Women Who Rebrand. I'm Sarita, your host for today, and I'm joined by the incredibly inspiring Selena Barker. Selena is a life design and career change coach, author of Burnt Out, creator of the Audible series, The Career Change Coach, and founder of Project You and the Goodbye 2022, Hello 2023 journal. Selena has been captivating audiences from all over the world, from business giants such as Google, HSBC, Soho House, to countless other organizations, sharing her expertise in burnout prevention, stress management, energy optimization, and designing a life that allows for both success at work and in your personal life. Today, we'll be discussing all things burnout, from career changes to work-life balance, as well as learning about Selena's own strategies for avoiding burnout. We'll also be exploring how businesses can implement strategies to avoid burnout and how we can create a healthier work-life balance. So, grab yourself a cuppa, make yourself comfortable, and get ready to learn about how to place those healthy boundaries once and for all. So hello and welcome, um, Selena. I cannot wait to talk to you about burnout because um, <laughs> as we were saying just before I hit record, this is like the time. We're recording in um, March, FYI for those of you listening. Um, this comes out later on in May. But March is notoriously like burnout season, burnout right? Burnout season. March and April it's not official, but I've definitely noticed it since I've really been focusing on burnout for the past sort of four or five years that come March and April, and you could even say into May that a lot mm. of people are on their knees, they're burnt out, they're exhausted. And my theory is because we have been pushing through here in the Northern Hemisphere anyway, those mm. that are in winter have been pushing through. I mean, we've been in winter now for about six months. It takes a lot of extra energy at a time when you're supposed to be hibernating. But, you know, work doesn't slow down just because it's winter. But naturally, that's what we should have been doing. And so to, we've been pushing through. We've used everything up that's in the tank. You get to spring. It's spring energy. It's like, let's go, go, go. And everyone's just like, I just, I used it all up. I'm exhausted. So it's really, I mean, we've got a huge problem with burnout anyway in our society. Mm. It's definitely... It was already massively on the increase before the pandemic. I think people came crawling out of the pandemic with burnout, like levels of burnout at an all-time high. And it hasn't massively dipped back down. So, mm. you know, but but add on top of that, the fact that we should have been hibernating in winter rather than, you know, working mm. away and having Christmas and all the rest of it. Yeah, people <sighs> are tired. I like this whole concept of hibernation in the winter because mm -hmm. I don't want to go out anywhere. I don't want to do anything, <laughs> which obviously makes it a lot easier if you work from home like myself. However, <laughs> it's like um, kind of, is it in Spain where they have siestas in the summer? Because yeah. yeah. I'm often tired when it's really, really hot weather. I can't go full pace because I'm like, yes. oh, it's, it's too much. So, like, when is the perfect time to work? Or, well, okay, not work. <laughs> Be productive. Well, Be productive. Well, I think that I think the number one thing, the reason why so many people are burning out at such huge numbers, is because we're in this whole new digital age, where mm. um, kind of post-industrialist time, where we've started to confuse ourselves with machines and think that we're supposed to be able to operate like machines. A lot of people are competing with their jobs for their jobs with machines. Yeah. You know, so now if you look at the way we view productivity, 
the idea that the harder you work, the more you do, the longer hours you do, and it is still glamorized. We are doing a lot to shift that in our culture, in our society, and for sure we are, but there's a long way to go. But this idea that the more you work, the harder you work, the longer hours, the more you will put out into the world, that's wrong. You know, they've all the studies show that actually the people who don't take breaks during the day, even though they've worked longer hours than their colleagues who do take breaks, it's the colleagues that took the breaks that will have got more done at a better quality by the end of the day. But we're not being taught. Yeah, exactly. But we're not being taught that stuff because we're not machines. We are animals. We are totally affected by our environment, whether that's seasonal environment with the fact that it's cold outside whether we're affected because we've got loads of noise around us and we can't focus and concentrate or whatever it might be or our menstrual cycle or whatever it might be we're affected by so many factors but we so we have to understand how our bodies work but also have to understand that we need to recharge our batteries every one and a half to two hours during the day so if you're sitting at a desk every yeah, where we want to I know. I, I, I'm getting a bit shocked then. One and a half to two okay. okay. It doesn't that doesn't mean you need to go and have a nap. Doesn't mean you have yeah. to go off and take an hour, but literally mm. five minutes, step away from step away from the screen. Your okay. brain needs to do it. Step away from the screen, change it up. So for example, I work from home most of the time now. After about one and a half, two hours, your brain naturally dips. I'm, I'm diving straight in, aren't I? <laughs> Giving you all the information. Give, give it to me. Give it to me. I'm loving this. Yeah, I need this. Your brain. And this is all stuff that I discovered when I was writing, researching to, put, to write my book, Burnt Out. Mm. Because mm. I had been helping people. as a, I've been a career change coach. for. I've been a career change coach now for the past 16 years. And so for many years, I was helping people who were from a place of burnout to recover, bring themselves, get themselves back, get their energy back and and figure out what part of the way they were working was causing them to be so stressed that they they were burning out. But mm-hmm. I didn't know the ins and outs of how the human body operate, how it needs to be, how it how it needs to be to thrive, what we need to give ourselves in order to thrive. And what I discovered was the way that we work and our understanding of productivity is goes completely against what we actually need in order to thrive. And when we think, oh, that person who's valiantly at the desk working all hours, barely getting up to, you know, for a toilet break is the one who's like smashing it. When you're in that state of stress, you could, the only way you can operate like that is putting yourself into fight or flight. When you're mm. in that stressed out fight or flight state, your IQ, your IQ drops. <gasps> you're stupider. Oh. You make more mistakes. You get tunnel vision. You cannot access the part of the brain where your intuition, your creativity, your rational thinking, it operates. You can't access that part of your brain when you're in a state of fight or flight. So the idea that I'll just keep pushing through, do these long hours to, you know, really smash it and succeed at work is so wrong. So we have to take these breaks every hour and a half to two hours, and it can literally be five minutes. I'll get up from my desk. I'll go and put a wash on. It doesn't have Mm. to be like, I don't have to go and put my yoga clothes on and do it. (laughs) two-hour yoga session to recharge my batteries I can go pop down the road get the milk put a wash on fold some clothes not to be glamorous but what it means I've stepped away from the screen I'm now in an automatic kind of rhythmic meditative state with what I'm doing not really having to use much thinking problem solving as I put stuff into a washing machine but it gives my brain a chance to take a breather take a step back recharge I come and sit back down have you know, water, and then and then I can go again. 
And so Mm. it's just recognizing that we are not machines and that we need certain things as we work throughout the day to help keep ourselves topped up. Mm. And then you get into physical energy, emotional energy, mental energy, and all of that stuff. Um, But we do actually know how to do this stuff. And Mm -hmm. once you, Mm -hmm. once you understand it, once you give yourself permission to, to help yourself to thrive, it's all stuff we know how to do. You know, Mm. it's not about learning new things. We are designed to thrive. Our bodies and our brains are designed for it. And burnout is your body and your brain's way of going, "Uh uh-uh, stop. That something has got to change. This is not working. Your body is just flooded with adrenaline for far too much of the day. Because that's ultimately what burnout is. It's it's being in a stressed out state for a prolonged period of time until your body just goes, pulls the plug. Mm Mm-mm. I'm out. We're on strike. You know, that's surprising. So obviously, like I know about the whole concept of burnout and me because of the type of way I work and I've got ADHD. I'm always go, go, go. Mm -hmm. These thoughts don't switch off. And because I have kind of placed myself in a job that I enjoy. Uh Yet that's my problem. So I'm actually enjoying work. So if I'm enjoying it, I don't tend to stop. But what you said about burnout, it's not just the end result. It's the constantly not giving yourself breaks and everything like that. You're not going to be productive. So that's kind of part of it as well, right? So as in you're not going to be productive if your brain has switched off exactly. because you haven't given it a rest. Yeah. So I go I go into companies a lot and I do these trainings and I talk about mm. burnout. And you go into companies where people are like, they have been hired because they are driven and they are ambitious and they yeah, like to like get the results. <laughs> yeah, right? So yeah. me going in there and showing them a way to protect themselves from burnout that's going to be about slowing down and maybe you won't be so productive, but it, that would never work. So what's really works is the fact that what I discovered through my research was that if you learn to manage your energy, not only do you protect mm. yourself from burnout, not only do you get to really enjoy being in your body, being in your day, like you feel energized, you feel calm, you feel focused. But if your whole agenda were purely, I want to learn how to be my most productive and perform at my best, you'd learn the exact same thing. Mm. So the ingredients you need in order to thrive and feel good are the exact same ingredients you need to be your most productive and perform at your best. And it's all about managing your energy and learning mm. how your body actually works and how to keep yourself topped up. And um, I've got um, a lot of my loved ones have ADHD. Mm-hmm. And I do, yeah, I think, well, two things you've got going on there. So the ADHD, <laughs> I think, can really uh, have a ten- tendency towards burnout because yes. just, just because yes. of the hyper-focusing, the sort of stress levels. Um, but also, yes, loving what you do. And I write in my book, I saw my dad have a nervous breakdown, massive burnout when I was 12. So I always knew, uh uh-uh, watch becoming completely consumed by work. So I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find work that I love. Yes. And then (laughs) I'll I'll be enjoying, I'll be busy enjoying it. That's not going to burn me out. Oh, hold on a second. (sighs) Actually, if anything, it made me worse. So I had the workaholic tendencies that I inherited from my father. Uh And I love my work. It made me even worse. So yeah. this was these and these were in the days when I didn't know anything about managing your energy. I didn't know how to look after myself. But well-being was something that other people did. It was like a hobby, yoga or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. either you do yeah. or you don't. And I didn't do it. I was like, you know, that whole thing is like I'll rest when I die, kind of thing. I was in <laughs> yeah. that 
I was in that, yeah. you know, headspace. But, and so I did used to burn out, you know, I'd have what I call mini burnouts, so not severe ones, mm. but I'd have these, get these points where I just frazzled, burnt out, oh, pick myself up again. But I just found myself in this constant cycle. And I just, after a few years, I was just like, I can't keep doing this. Like there has, this can't be loving my work this much can't come at the cost of my well-being mm. you know there has to be another way and so that's what sort of really set me off on this journey of like right I want to help myself and then more and more people were coming to me because they were burning out and I was like I'm seeing more and more people around me burning out what is going on and why are we normalizing it and not even normalizing it but wearing it as a badge of honor wearing like glamorizing it a bit like oh my god I'm so busy I've got so much going on that, like you know we we you know we've got to watch where we start to you know slightly yeah glamorize it and and, mm. and but most of all normalize it and accept it life is stressful work is stressful burnout is inevitable there's a yeah. big narrative of that going on and that's and what you, yeah sorry um as you said it's kind of like in because we're in a digital age there's less of that well, I finished my job, I've gone home, my job cannot contact me unless they ring me on the house phone, yeah. which you could ignore. <laughs> I've got a house phone, it's like the shape of a burger, I don't even know it's plugged in, I don't know the number I, or anything. I do as well, Yeah, it's, like, it's not plugged in. It's like, whatever man, get me on my mobile. But then, it's like, okay, it's convenient to have your emails or whatever on your, on your phone, but that means it's always with you. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's part of the problem of this crisis of burnout because it's like your work-life balance are kind of intertwined. Yeah. And it, work has become many people's lives. Like, that's the majority of their life. Yeah. I think it's like, yeah. How, yeah. But how do you get that right balance, especially if it's something that you love? Yeah. <laughs> so, first of all, I think it's really important to recognise that this is a brave new world that we're in, this digital mm. world. You know, so like our parents' generation didn't deal with this when they were our age. They didn't have that. They didn't have, the, you know, their smartphones with their email on it and everything. Like you say, you went home, you went home, unless mm. someone's calling on your landline. So they were able to create a natural boundary between home and work life a lot more. That said, my dad had a Matt was a workaholic, had a massive nervous breakdown. So mm. it was it was definitely going on. I think it's I think it's really important to recognize that we are in this brave new world. We've never been in this place before where we are, we have so much constant access um, to one another, to our work. And so we don't have that natural boundary anymore that we had 20, 30 years ago. Well, 30, mm. 40 years ago. Mm. So it's really important to have some compassion and to recognize that we are now having to learn how to put in place those boundaries. So for example, um making sure that when that you actually do have a time in the morning in the afternoon and evenings where you create these transitional periods going first of all in the morning okay I'm coming out of home mode coming into work mode if you need that sort of motivation um but definitely if you sort of got yourself into you know work state by the end of the day you need to do things particularly if you work from home that help mm. you transition out of work and into home and really have some clear boundaries what is that home time all about what is that going to be about and so much of that does need to be about recharging your batteries calming your nervous system and you know and but doing things that are really enjoyable doing things that engage your brain because it's certainly not like right to rest my brain I now have to sit 
and just quietly contemplate <laughs> the inside of my head and find some inner calm. Exactly. I don't drive me mad. <laughs> I would go crazy. I have to have move. I have to have movement involved, or I have to have, for example, if my brain is going really like full on, it cannot stop, which can happen at certain times. Doing things like a Sudoku puzzle, like mm. doing things that that for me really works because it my my brain is fully engaged so now it's not thinking of work or anything else because it's really absorbed in figuring out this puzzle and and doing all of that but it's doing in a way that's allowing my brain to rest because it's not trying to figure out 101 different things work related or coming up with ideas or trying to bat the ideas away or just so it's actually finding what works to help you calm your nervous system get out of your head into your body and that can be movement, it can be some form of exercise, it can be um, creativity, it can be having a hot bath. I mean, yeah. hot bath or a hot shower, hot water on the body is one of the best ways to calm you down. And actually, that can be something, if you do work from home, having a shower, getting into different clothes, yeah. you know, having your relaxed leisure time outfit versus your work outfit, all of these things that are just starting to give you you know, the signals of I am now in work mode and mm. read and, and you do have to be disciplined with yourself of, um, you know, making sure that you don't have alerts on your phone telling you when an email comes in, you know, have things on your email saying, I, you know, I'm, I look at emails between this time and this time and mm. start letting the people you work with know what your operating hours are. Um, but let yourself know, let your family know what your operating yeah. hours are. And if you can't bear to not look at your emails at some point in the evening, allow yourself a half hour at like 7pm. <laughs> okay, I could do a quick email time and then have, you know, an alarm going off that, you know, shuts it off. And and we do have to, we do have to do that because this isn't natural for us to be switched on and connected 24-7. Yeah. Um, so we do have to be really intentional about how we manage that because otherwise it's going to consume us. Um, mm. and then we're going to, that's why we're seeing such high levels of burnout, I think. Oh gosh. So it's, I guess it's, like you said, it's not learning these, it's unlearning all of the things that we've adopted because it's exactly. not exactly Exactly. how we're supposed to work and live and yeah. just earn a living it just seems so silly that you have to or we think we have to work so hard in order to live but by doing that we're not even living there's there's yeah. less time to actually live and enjoy at wwrdigital.com you'll find the women who rebrand podcast and bonus content to accompany each episode plus between episodes and season breaks you'll get access to informative articles and personal stories about health and wellness relationships and careers Take a journey with us to become your most authentic self because you matter. Join our online community on Instagram and TikTok at WWR Digital. Yeah. So your book, Burnt Out, which I have been enjoying. And thank you for doing an audible version. Every time <laughs> I get a book, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, thank you. Because I'm not one that can sit down and read a book. Absolutely not. I'll read a page and I'll be like, I literally can't remember what it says. I cannot. I, it's, it's gone. <laughs> So when I've got my Audible book, that's when I'm doing, as my husband calls it, light design work. So design <laughs> on computer or going for a walk or cooking. So that's my like, little enjoyable thing. 
But I love the phrase that you've come up with. I think you've come up with it. I don't know. If you can give them props if you have. Oh, the yeah. Shitty committee. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't actually come up with that. Okay. My friend, but, but, I, but I seem to be the only person that uses it and everyone does think I came up with it. Apparently, Robbie Williams was the oh. came up with it. Or So, yeah, came up with this idea of the shitty committee. And it's what you call the name for the inner critic. But I love mm-hmm. it so much because people... Just get it instantly, and there's some there's a sort of humor to it yeah. that can really help you to laugh at it, and that's actually really important because the inner critic, and that's a very I think that term really sums it up as well. Mm-hmm. But what I love about shitty committee is it helps us to laugh at it, and by mm. being able to laugh at it, we can get a bit of a distance from it, and we it it the whole idea with the shitty committee with that inner critic it can have a really strong hold over us. And so to start to turn the volume down on it, which we need to do to be able to feel calmer, freer, and be able to actually go out and follow our dreams and do the things we want to in life, we need to learn how to turn the volume down on it. We can't get rid of it altogether. It's Mm. inbuilt. It's Mm. an important part of our system. It's how we survive to this day by being very cautious, very risk averse. But it's like the ultimate party pooper. It's like, oh, here, all right, shitty committee. What have you got to say? Wow, I don't know if that's going to work. Remember, like, ooh, we, you know, it's just like, and so yeah. as human beings, we don't like anything unknown. We don't, you know, mm. we, we don't like to step into the unknown. It's terrifying because there could be danger there. And so we've got this inbuilt risk assessment part of us with the, with the clipboard. So I like to call it the shitty committee because as soon as you can start laughing a little bit at it, then you start to, 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 to kind of, it starts to lose its power and control over you. Hmm. And so it's to really explore, the way I talk about it is is nowadays actually, is because I used to talk a lot about, listen to what the shitty committee is saying and then prove that what it's saying is not the truth. Because what we think, right. we, it's always backing up what it's saying. You can't do this, you're not good enough and here are all the reasons. Look at all these things that happened in the past that can prove that so a great way is to turn around and go hold on a second no 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 because that you know say for example you can't career change at this age who could you like it's too late Mm, hang on a second wait there look at all these examples of people who are older than me Mm. that changed career who are in a very similar position to me you know so that's one way is is to um prove that what they're what the shitty committee is saying is not the truth but actually I'd go a step further now and say it's really important we become friends with our shitty committee it's not about pushing it away it's about going okay let's let's hear what you've got to say and you know what in some situations it might have a point might be like you haven't got time for this okay but well let's actually have a look because if you're anything like me I like to think I can do it all and I want to do it within the next three months otherwise (laughs) it's too far in the future and it's just not good enough for me. Yeah. So I will pile way too much on my plate, be completely unrealistic about what I could, what I can do. So if my shitty committee is saying, you do not have time for this, then I'll go, okay, well actually maybe let's actually have a little look at what I think this could take. Well, if I give it a bit more time, is my shitty committee going to back off a bit? So sometimes mm. what it has to say, but sometimes it is just filling us with doubts and fears Sometimes it's the voice of people in our past that were mean to us that yeah. said horrible stuff and it's just sort of being, you know, carrying it through. So it's it's a real complex um, part of us and sometimes it's this is the stuff you're dealing with through therapy, mm. but sometimes it's actually just going, I get it, I hear you, you're scared. 
it's totally natural to be you've got to have a dialogue with it sometimes it's totally mm. natural to be scared but we're gonna do it <laughs> I'm still gonna do it <laughs> and if I need help I will ask for help but I'm gonna give it a go and you know whatever it is you're worried about what if, what what if the worst case scenario happens we'll survive yeah. it we'll be okay you know so it's like and and the shitty committee is very concerned about us um looking like an idiot failing you know in yep. in the face of society because it perceives that as a huge threat because once upon a time it would have been mm. you know if we were in that tribe wherever we were and if we if we were um rejected by the tribe and thrown out into the wilderness we wouldn't have survived so mm. that fear of being rejected by those that we feel are part of our you know community that we want to look good in front of you've got to again have compassion and recognize this stuff goes way back you know something in ourselves is like no 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 you've got to you've got to fit in you've got to belong you've got to fit in you've got to belong so if you go actually i'm going to do things slightly differently then there's a lot of fear that can come with that so mm. if you're going to live a life that you create a life lived to your own rules and you're going to dare to be go after your dreams and be a bit different then you have to get used to being with your shitty committee because it's not going to go anywhere <laughs> gonna be freaking out all the time <laughs> I think that's why I liked that phrase because I could visually imagine me on a stage and like a whole audience sitting there with all these different pairs like little me that person from primary school that family member but then all the different versions all have something to say and yes there is someone that is sometimes making sense like you said you're doing too much maybe you shouldn't wear that skirt because it's a bit cold outside so it's like <laughs> Listen to what they've all got to say, and then they can take a vote, right? <laughs> That's how I took that. That's why I loved that phrase. I'm like, okay, you lot are there for me, but some of you need to be ignored. You're, you're not allowed in the room next time. Exactly. So, yeah. Like, ultimately, the shitty committee is there to keep you safe. Mm, yeah. It doesn't care about you being happy. What has that got to do with it? And mm. you know, if you sometimes think a lot of parent, a lot of a lot of people will say that their parents operate like that yes yes sure they want me to happy but ultimately they want me to be safe so if I'm talking right. about leaving this job that I've got this you know permanent you know where I've got I'm an employee and it's safe and it's secure but I want to go and start a business they're mm. like I sure I want you to be happy but but not I don't want you to leave that job and security and safety mm. so it's very you know it's hard inbuilt into us like be safe number one and then if you can be happy so we have got that inbuilt into us. So I think it's also really important to recognise that behind it is a desire for the shitty committee to keep us safe. It will stop at nothing. It will throw yeah. whatever it needs to at us to make us not do that scary thing in the unknown, like including being really horrible and mean. So that mm. it's like, I will use anything that I can to stop you in your tracks. So mm. it's not there to torture us. It is ultimately there to keep us safe we have to help it to understand it's okay I know you think this is terrifying and very unsafe but I'm doing it anyway <laughs> <laughs> can we have a cuddle we're going in <laughs> so if you had like a full-on job as as we know there's like lots of corporate jobs but even like people that run their own businesses most yeah. of the things are go 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 but if you're feeling like your shitty committee has taken over 
and the most loudest voice is saying, look, you need to do more. So you get recognized, so you get those sales, do, 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 go, go, go. How can you kind of create a balance um, and just obviously not listen, but you still want to do well. You still want to do well. Do you know what? I recently had a real shitty committee attack and it was saying very similar thing to what you're saying. And it was looking at the world around being like, basically my shitty committee and my ego, all one in the same thing, mm-hmm. were like, why aren't you some big self-help celebrity? <laughs> like, why? Why are you not why, Oprah? <laughs> why is Oprah not inviting you to sit on the sofa with her? Right? Do you know what I mean? Like, but not even mm-hmm. to that degree, like looking mm-hmm. at other people around and starting to get seduced, influenced mm. by this idea of what's successful for someone in my business, someone doing what I've been doing for as long as I have, what successful should look like. So mm. I start getting drawn into that and I start feeling more and more like that compar- that gross like comparison, really like bitterness, feeling mm. really like <laughs> critical, judgy of people out there who are seeming to get that success and why mm. them and did it. I was like, I'm not, man, how am I going to shrug this off? This is not enjoyable. I don't like being this person. <laughs> yeah. And so what I what I started to do was to actually spend less time on Instagram following other people, mm, step okay. away from it and go, hold on a second. You need to take a step back and redefine what success looks like for you. Right. Like, let's take this a step back. And recognizing that right from the outset, my goal was always to have a career that I loved, mm-hmm. that gave me freedom, that gave me full autonomy to work when I wanted, where I wanted, and to not be exhausted all the time. And mm. I have created that. Mm. And sometimes when I look at the people, I'm like, oh, I should be earning that much money, or I should be that, have that many followers, or I should, you know, there's always going to be somewhere beyond where you think you've got to. Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll look at them and they'll let slip that they work all hours, like that Mm. they work on the weekends. And I'm like, hold on a second. I'm not saying that that. they had to do that to get there, but I'm definitely not willing to do that. And I need to remember what was I, what has my whole aim been when it comes to career? It's to really just enjoy my life and my career, my career to support my life and to love what I do. And honestly, Apart from I had a, a tricky year last year, I was transitioning in business and I found it really hard. It was going from being two of us to just me and and that was really tough. Mm-hmm. Apart from that one year, I hand on heart have loved my career so much, like loved it. And so I was like, that is success. I was like, oh, I'm already successful. <laughs> Fine, job done. But weirdly, mm. then my shitty committee was like, I wasn't, I wasn't fueling its fire by following people in the middle of the night. How did, how have they got there? When you know, like, mm. stop, stop feeding it, stop feeding that, mm. and actually ground yourself again in your own measures of success, rather mm. than the measures of success that a capitalist society have told us. It's about money. It's about popularity. It's about status. It's about fame. Those are false values mm. of of happiness and success. Um, Absolutely, you know. So I still, it's not like I've found a way to keep my shitty committee 
volume down at all times. Oh, it, it's still there in full force. And suddenly I'm like, what the hell? And like, I won't realise until like weeks in. I'll be yeah. like, oh my God, I've been hanging out with my shitty committee all the time. How didn't even I notice it? But you just don't because it, it shapeshifts. It will show up in different ways and pretend it's something else. And, yeah, you know, it's so sneaky. Uh, <laughs> it is. And another place that they come in, like you mentioned, that career change. Because I think that mm. can be difficult. And especially as you possibly get older. And generations before us didn't tend to switch careers. Yeah. You might have changed jobs, but it's like an actual career, like you studied for it. You've worked there for 20 years, so you know the ins and outs. But then again, it's going into that new thing and some kind of change. And I think that's when a lot of the time your shitty committee can be the loudest as well. Yeah. But what? how do you deal with actually changing careers I've done it many times and I'm like let me dip my toe in there and then get a bit obsessed so I learn everything in like the first two weeks um (laughs) but that can be quite scary to a lot of people actually changing careers yes especially if you're older right yes and I think it really depends on each person so some people like it sounds like you are will be like Mm. oh what's this new thing that I want to do and use that brilliant hyper-focus of yours and like (laughs) learn at, you know, lightning speed in the space of two weeks and then need to lie down for another week in a darkened room to recover from it. Absolutely. You know, to integrate all the learning. Mm -hmm. Some people love it. Like I have, my, my own career has evolved and changed so much over the years and have different businesses in that time. Mm -hmm. And I love the challenge of it. Other people, and often it's to do with personality type, that is terrifying they would never want to be in the kind of financial instability I have been so many times in my career Mm. which actually now I'm really over that I'm definitely wanting to bring in the stability I'm like (laughs) 15 years of this has been plenty so I'm definitely on a let's bring some stability into this situation but a lot of people could just just wouldn't just it would be so stressful Mm. that it would paralyze them so, and I remember, I remember one client coming to me and she said, look, I think I just need, I feel like I'm standing at that really high diving board in a swimming pool and I need to just dive off the end, but I'm so scared. I want you to come and just push me off the end. And I was like, I am doing no such thing. <laughs> right? I was like, I'm going to climb up that terrifying ladder, which I never actually did in real life. I'm going to come and take your hand. I'm going to bring you all the way back down. We're going to sit on the side of the swimming pool with our legs in the water until you feel ready to slip in at the shallow end Mm. and gently swim with a few floaties if necessary to the deep end. Not pushing anyone off in terror into a change. But some people, they want to be at that top diving board. They want the thrill of it. They want to be like, I quit. What are you going to do? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. And that gives them a real buzz and a real lease of life. So Mm. everyone's different and you've got to find a way of making that transition so that you can never be certain. There can never be, oh, here's exactly how I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow these steps and here's I'm going to change career. Uh -uh. You're going Mm. to have to get used to it's going to be unknown and your shitty committee is going to be calling a lot of emergency meetings, but you need to do it in a way that it isn't paralyzing. Yeah. And that you can, you can, yeah, you can. So if someone's like, I feel excited, also a bit nervous, I'm like, perfect, perfect. If they're like, fuck, I'm terrified, 
I just I don't I can't even I I can't even look at it I can't even take one step okay then we need to reassess and do this in a gentler slower way that doesn't feel so unsafe to you Mm -hmm. you know so Mm -hmm. it's just recognizing and I love that I love navigating change and by the way I'm not very good at navigating I mean I'm not very good with change either Mm -hmm. I find it really anxiety inducing Mm -hmm. so you know you can have you can't you can't get around that you can't get around the fact that as human beings we naturally find the unknown we find change very scary Mm. so small steps for some people not going straight head in Mm-hmm. But I guess for both types, what do you say to the people um, when they start those new jobs and obviously want to make a good impression, not to go above and beyond or overthink or overdo so they get that reputation and that mm-hmm. job thinks that's what your that's how you work, that's what you're gonna give, that's your con that's your terms and agreements. Oh my how goodness. do we place those ba- boundaries at the very beginning? But also that still is, make a good impression. <laughs> that is such a good question. It's wow. Yeah, because it would be the tendency would be, of course it is. You want to show that you are that they, you know, you don't want them to regret for a second that they hired you. Yeah. You want them to think that you're amazing. You want it to do amazing work so that you pass that probation, you know, period and they oh, want yeah, to keep you. Yeah. You want to, you know, you want to be impressive. You want to get praise. You mm. want people to be happy with you. You know, you want validation. All of these things, of course, we go into those jobs wanting to give everything. And mm. and because it's the, you know, the beginning phase, we're happy to put everything into it. And then suddenly, three months, six months in, you can't keep up at that pace because it's unsustainable. Because yeah. right. you have no boundaries. <laughs> and you've, like, handed your life over to the <laughs> but this, But this must describe just the, almost the normal way of going, going yeah. into a job, right? Again compassion is so important if you mm. find yourself in that situation damn I did it again <laughs> it's like you did because you also as well as you know yes because you, you wanted to do a really good job and you were afraid that if you didn't you know what if you get fired and you need this job and you need this money and rising cost mm. of living and panic panic you know all of that has to play as well but also because you're dedicated and you're hardworking, and so you know so, so to have that compassion while you do it but it is really important. You can start to put boundaries in place after you've started, after you've handed over your life to this job and then go, <laughs> okay, hi, um, <laughs> this is unsustainable. Me answering emails at 9pm right. at night when I'm on holiday. I know you didn't ask me to do it. Hopefully they didn't. Um, but I think people have come to expect that. I take full responsibility. I let mm. I let people think that I would do that because I was doing it. Mm-hmm, but if mm-hmm. I carry on like this, I will burn out and then I won't be any good to anyone. So I need to now actually start putting in some boundaries. And in a really good workplace, they will be like, uh, why were you answering my email at 2 a.m.? <laughs> uh, you know, so a really good boss will be going, watching out for that. But we can't always rely on the people managing us to be looking out for our boundaries Mm -hmm. so you can then readdress it but yeah when you first go in I think do you know what I was speaking to a client the other day and she was so inspiring the way she she's like in her in her sort of mid-20s and has done really well and I was just like 
but you don't you don't do what everyone else is doing which is like seem to be completely obsessed and totally consumed by work she said oh no i have really good boundaries she says when i'm at work i'm really at work i'm diligent i love what i do you know i'm really i'm really there i'm really present but i have very clear boundaries when i'm not at work i am not at work i'm not answering emails i'm not thinking about work because I have a life outside of work that I really enjoy. I don't want to sacrifice that. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I'm like, Maybe. I'm an Xennial. <laughs> I'm basically Gen X. I was waiting for the millennials to come along. But but either way, she just, it was so inspiring to hear how she had a very, she said I have a very strong work ethic, but that doesn't mean that I let work take over my life. So, you know, you can be like, right, how do I want to show up at this job? I want to really bring my efficiency. I want to bring my creativity. I want to bring my whatever it is that you're, you know, what, whatever skill set you really want to bring. And I want, really want to show that, you know, I'm a reliable pair of hands. Whatever it is you're wanting to prove, you're wanting to show. And I need to make sure that I have boundaries right from the start and those boundaries, knowing what those boundaries need to be, do come from exploring and experimenting and discovering what you need to recharge your batteries throughout the day, but also in the evenings and maybe in the mornings, getting yourself ready for the day. Mm. So, you know, so first you have to get to know yourself and how to best manage your energy. And then you need to kind of communicate, this is, this is how I work best. You know, this is how you'll get the best out of me. Mm. And that's the other thing, you know, coming back to that productivity and performance. if Because that still is the flipping bottom line of most companies. I say in the book, I was like, I don't know how many CEOs would like be very particularly happy to look around <laughs> their offices and see people looking super calm, <laughs> relaxed, happy. They'd be like... Um, um, I, 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 yes, this is all well and good, but what I really want is productivity and yeah. is this going to generate it? You know, they want to see people running around frenetically because that was so programmed to think that that is how to do, you know, do our best work. Mm -hmm. But I think, so if you say to them, the, the way to get the best out of me, for me to do my best work, I really do have to make sure that from whatever time in the afternoon or evening, I'm not answering emails. Mm -hmm. I will be back on at this time and then I'm fully there and I'm on it, but I need that time to recharge my batteries. These days, you, if, if, if there's a company that doesn't have that kind, I mean, I have literally spoken to companies, big, well-known yeah. brands who have laughed at me when I said that, not laughed at me like that, but like laughed yeah. when I said, you cannot be answering emails on holiday, on holiday. Mm. on a ho I was just like what and they went well you go tell the c-suite that and I was like why what am I even doing here mm. what am I this is this pff, there's there's pointless me telling you how to manage your energy when you don't have the backup of those at the top yeah like if they're not if, but but I'm glad to say that the majority of the big companies that I've gone in and done workshops and gone done trainings they have a very I mean, I asked someone the other day, I said, look, um, how are you guys on the whole answering emails? Do you want people to be answering emails at any time of day? Or are you okay if they're like, have a boundary, I don't answer from this time. Mm -hmm. And they were like, everyone needs to be flexible because some people might be like, well, I go and pick up my kids. So I actually do like to do some emails at between 
8 and 9 p.m. because, right. you know, I move things around to so want flexibility. Right. And and I said, so do you want me to be saying that or do you want me to just, like, keep stum because actually you need, you like having people on 24-7? They're like, no, no, say it. But, you know, you've got to, you've got to check because there are still some companies that do want their employees to be available 24-7. I don't want anything to do with those companies. And I was yeah. relieved to hear that they were like, no, 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 go for it. Say that we need to put boundaries down around okay. email communication. So there's definitely changes, there's definitely shifts, but it's going to take time. And, yeah. you know, what I say in Burnt Out is that change, that cultural, societal change, it's not going to happen in the next few years. It's going to take probably a few generations to get to a good place. But does that mean we can't thrive right now? No. What it mm. means is we have to take it into our own hands and learn what we need in order to thrive and then find companies where we actually can do that and there are more and more companies where we are able to do that yeah um and it's funny that you mentioned the fact that you know you kind of questioned are the 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 big wigs or the ceo is going to be in your talks and stuff who are you actually speaking to is it the whole company and does it reach that level so it is actually recommended and they adopt those things and make those changes. I did a talk recently at a big global bank, very well known, high street name, but I mm -hmm. can't name them. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the heads of came and shared her story oh. about how she had burnt out. And this is why we were having this talk today with me talking about burnout, because this is something that we really need to address and we need to recognize how easy it can be to get so consumed and not look after our well-being mm. and burn out. I was so moved because I was just like, she was so vulnerable to share her story mm. and she wanted to share it as an example of what will happen. And they were really dedicated to putting in the infrastructure. They understand some seasons are really full on, really busy, but we really need to work together to find ways and and they were talking about the best thing to do is perhaps work within with each team work figure out how to do it you know mm -hmm. rather than a blanket this is how everyone's going to do it one size fits all because it doesn't work like that so work as teams with the personalities in those teams with people with you know how they like to work and figure out how you're going to do this in a way that you guys can look after yourselves mm -hmm. particularly in the busy times it was really moving i i was just like oh this really gives me faith of course it was a woman. Um, <laughs> Making these changes. But you know, yeah. it was a big it yeah. was a big bank. And I was just like and and I, in in some ways it's like those sort of the corporate finance world I think are taking it more seriously than I mean hospitality is whew. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that media and entertainment. Oh my goodness. Eek. Wow. Yeah. TV, film, hospitality, mm. obviously NHS. Um, but those are those are the places where burnout and 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 teaching and teaching. Do you think that's got to do with the level of money as well? Because a lot of like I know because I used to do fashion and stuff like that. And Oof. as a freelancer, it was like, well, I have to be the best to get that job. I have to stay on this job because everyone else is. If I leave, then we can't finish mm -hmm. this music video. So do you think it's kind of got something to do with the level of money that you earn and the possibility of getting those jobs? I think it's, do you know what? I think it's 
like I say, I mean, the financial world, there are people making more money in there than, yeah. than any other. Yeah. But they do seem, from my experience, from mm. my experience, to be more <laughs> invested in creating cultures, work cultures in which people can thrive and flexibility mm. and all the rest of it than the creative and music industries. Those ones are so interesting. And, and it's because, you know, these are cool jobs. There's a scarcity. It, any in, Look, oh my goodness, we can really open a can of worms here. But um, when there is a master-servant relationship in which mm -hmm. there are in so many, I mean, hierarchy, patriarchy, you know, white supremacy, it's just capitalism. I mean, it's this is so, so you have this hierarchical structure in so many ways. If you are made to feel that you should feel grateful for having that work, that there is embedded into the sort of structure, a thing of like competitiveness, you know, mm. to, yeah, the best get to the top, um, then yeah, you're going to do whatever you can, whatever you think you have to, mm. to get ahead in that kind of dog eat dog world. I've never said that phrase before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm but glad you know I, what I mean. able to do your first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it really means but like so you've got all of that going on and it's it does come from this yeah I mean yeah that sort of master servant um you know those that top and everyone else having to scrabble around yeah. to sort of and that sense of competitiveness that sense of scarcity so when something is seen as really cool everyone wants the cool the cool job mm. so you're gonna have more people going for it than there are positions so then that's going to create, you know, a competitiveness and then a willingness to sacrifice your well-being. Meanwhile, with NHS and anyone in a care industry, teachers, their, their whole, it's, it's founded on the premise that people are willing to sacrifice yeah. their lives to care for others. Because we've got this deep-rooted narrative that, particularly for women, but I think women and anyone in a caring profession that you should be so fulfilled by looking after the needs of others that that should just magically <laughs> fill you up like you know it's like the yeah. whole clapping for the yeah. NHS workers yeah. I I, be I don't believe they can pay their bills with our applause but yeah. yes of course let's the heroes I was like no no they're not here don't don't put a label of heroes on them these are regular people mm. doing a horrifically hard job during the pandemic. But don't say that they're heroes because now what they like, is that enough? Yeah. This sort of praise and this putting them on a pedestal. Mm. They still got to go home at night and like feed their kids. I don't think an applause, do you know what I mean? Is. So, but, and teaching is the same. There's this, this sacrifice, uh, expectation of sacrifice. And now this is the rising up. So important. It's like, no. No, nah, -uh. not mm. doing this anymore. And um, you know, it has to happen. And also, we've got to remember that, like you know, in our education, we're trained to be obedient workers. Yeah, not we're not raised like we're not encouraged to be, you know, design lives that make us happy. When was that class at school? <laughs> I mean, I wish it was. They could have incorporated that in PCSE or whatever it was. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think a lot of things have changed since lockdown. I think the whole world was forced, whether they liked it or not, to at least slow down or stop completely. And I think that's when a lot of people recognised, you know, 
there's more people working from home because before it's like, well, of course you can't work from home. You're not going to be productive. You're not going to be working. Uh-huh. And we disproved that. So I like the fact that there are companies out there who are actually giving a nod to the whole burning out and self-care and promoting well-being. Because I think I know in the long run, you know, that way of life is sustainable. You're going to get more from someone who's happy because they're going to be with them for longer. They're not going to crash and burn and have to take three months off, unsigned off, still getting paid because, you know, that's going to actually happen. And that is the bit that they're actually listening to. Right, of course. This is not this is not motivated because yeah. suddenly all the company is like, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be lovely if everyone was happy? They don't care. Yeah. You know, they're like the shitty committee. The shitty committee is like, I don't care about your happiness. I want it to be safe. Why would I care whether you're happy or not? It'd be ridiculous. Companies are like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, no, we'd love everyone to be happy. I don't mm-hmm. care. We just want you to be we don't want to have to be paying. You know, if you've got a revolving door of people leaving because they're, they're, you know, millennials, like all the statistics show the number of millennials, that was the first generation where they were like, uh-uh, no, I'm burnt out. I'm not yeah. going to stick around. So if you've got a company that's got a revolving door, the cost of having to hire new people yeah. is not worth it. So it's more cost effective to really invest in, in, in helping your employees be happy and healthy than it is to keep hiring new ones. So mm. it does hit the the bottom line. And it also, there's now so much, so many statistics coming up of like, if if you if people can tell that the people at the top are just giving lip service and they don't actually care, it's it's gonna make it it you can't fake it. You mm. cannot fake it. They will they will be able to tell burnout, you know, st- burnout levels will be high. Therefore, your retention won't be good. Therefore, you get so you have to. They are being forced, you know. And then you had the great resignation after the pandemic, and I think that's because <sighs> first of all, people were back at home realizing what they enjoy about life, but also they were exhausted. Mm. So they're emotionally burnt out. They didn't have anything left in the tank, and so there was a, an inability or an unwillingness to put up with a lot of the crap we used to put up with before because they couldn't do it anymore. They were like, I, no, (laughs) not after all that we've been through, you're now going to talk to me like that. You're now going to have me work those hours. I am out. And so we had the great resignation. Yeah. Because people were like, I I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. And I know that there are other ways. So the hospitality industry was has been so affected yeah, by that yeah. because that is a hard, it is a hard job, you know, and they do really, in a lot of um, places, they do ask you to basically hand over a lot of your life. Yeah. And put up with so that... much crap from people as well who think they can just speak to you anyway. And it's like, well, actually, no, you should actually be nice to them. Like, yeah, you don't really have to be mean, but yeah, it's, it's true. I think that's what I love about millennials. Like I, just find them so brave just to be able to turn up to a job and be like, do you know what? I'm not coming back. And then just <laughs> leave. Know. And I'm like, me? At that age? Are you mad? I used to feel so bad about handing in my resignation because I didn't want to work there anymore. I, it would literally take me like two weeks to build up the courage and practice oh, yeah. what I'm going to say and have my little letter. But nowadays, yeah, everyone's just like, whatever, man, I'm, I'm gone. I, I don't need this. I'd yeah. love to be able to just have that confidence. Yeah. 
And, and I think, I mean, that's why I always used to say, I was just waiting for the millennials to turn up because I was just like, oh, finally people who are also being accused of being a snowflake or whatever it is because it's just like, no, I'm not going to stick around. And then showing that you, you can go off and actually mm. do do it your way. And, and, you know, now we've got more than ever the chances to actually run our own businesses and, and do things our own way. Yeah. doesn't mean you don't take your own inner bad boss with you it took me a few years to mm-hmm. uh finally fire her <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm glad you did i'm glad you did <laughs> so um you do um coaching life coaching people can connect with you have you got anything coming up I do so many different things. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so many strings to my bow. It's always quite hard to make succinct. The best place to go. So I've got two websites. One is mm-hmm. com, and you can go there. That's where I really talk about my coaching and my book. So burnt out. Um, and then I have, we are project you. Mm. And that is, so I do these journals. Goodbye. 2022. Hello. Oh, she's got it. I'm so good. <laughs> I've got another journal coming with a whole, like, you're going to be able to QR code and get, like, a whole digital toolkit of different oh. journaling prompts. So that is in, on its way, figuring yes. that one out. Um, so, yes. So I that's where I really like to create tools, journals. A podcast will be coming. I do oh. workshops. I've got a membership called Club U. Um, so, and, yeah, so all sorts of fun stuff there. Okay. So, and then and then I'm also, the main place on on Instagram I did attempt TikTok, but it's no. That's I a whole job in itself, honestly. I couldn't, I couldn't get I I yes, no, I couldn't yeah. get into that. But I am on Instagram. <laughs> okay. Underscore we are project you underscore. Um and yeah, so I turn up there most days and connect and play mm-hmm. and yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are the places to find me. Fantastic. I'm up to. Fantastic. And I will be sure to put those links in our write up for this episode. Um because I'm sure so many people are gonna be like, yes, she's gonna come and sort out my life. <laughs> I cannot wait. That's I think that's one of the things that I've always that's on my list. Like a life coach. Just someone to like just here's everything. Take this do whatever and give it back to me so I can actually live my life on purpose. Please, please. Yeah. Essentially, that's what they do, right? That's what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is. Well, I mean, yes, we do put everything out on the table and take a look at, okay, what's working, what isn't working, you know, and and work on whatever area. Needs um, a bit of TLC or a total change. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. what I forgot to ask. So as you said, you're a jack of all trades, but the master of all. I see a change master of all there. of them. Yeah, yeah. You do so many things. <laughs> but how do you avoid burnout? Well, I do so many things, but I do them in really manageable doses. Okay. So, like, that does sound a lot, but I mean, <laughs> the goodbye, hello, end of year journal mm-hmm. is created. So each year I just change the years. <laughs> Okay, change the 22 to a 23 and the 23 to a 24. Change up a couple of quotes, hand over to the designer. They get it designed. Do you know no. what I mean? Like, okay. don't worry. I'm not sweating over a new version every year. Okay. Um, and I make sure, like, with my coaching clients, I take on one person a month. It's mm. a three-month coaching thing. So I'm really, really mindful these days of how much I take on. Brilliant. And um, 
you know, there's, yeah, I've, and I've got, and I've, and I have to be okay with that. Like I choose to spend time with my son in the afternoons. I choose to hang out with a friend. I choose to do exercise, like instead of working all hours. And, and so, yeah, I'm, um, I do practice what I preach now. I'm going to say that. In my head, I was like, <laughs> say practice what you preach. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. I had it on my head. I, oh, do, yeah, actually, I do actually do it. <laughs> so not only are you just an amazing human being, you practice what you preach and you are authentic. So I, that, I that, can that... still be a hot mess at times. So like, you know. Well, that's balance. That's balance, right? That Aww. is balance. That is the balance. Yeah. Thank exactly. you. So much, Selena. I I have actually learned a lot. I've been taking mental notes and I have been listening to the Audible and I'm going to listen to that podcast as well, which we didn't have time to talk about. But yeah, I think, yeah, I'm going to adopt these, these changes because it is about that reflection and thinking, you know, what is it that is, what does success mean to me? And do I want the life of someone else who's working on weekends and working like mm-hmm. up till four o'clock in the morning and two hours sleep? No, I don't. No, I don't. So what's the point? And also, but also play a longer game. Mm. Be like, okay, you want to get to where they are, but rather than getting to where they are in the next five years, right, why right. don't you go <laughs> maybe in the next 30? Yeah, <laughs> like play a longer game. My whole thing is like, I'm going to get rich slowly. <laughs> really slowly <laughs> well if you do that there's less chance of you spending it all now and having none left later so it's exactly. a good investment exactly so Smart. you know <laughs> I love that. okay thank you so much um take care thank you bye We hope you enjoyed this episode of Women Who Rebrand. Be sure to subscribe and leave a rating to keep up with upcoming episodes. Join our online community on Instagram and TikTok at WWR Digital. And stay tuned for our next episode featuring another fantastic guest ready to discuss the most insightful topics. Thanks for listening.